At QUT, we believe that teachers do more than build understanding. They build confidence, resilience. They help students to make sense of the real world. So shouldn't we give teachers all the support they need? We think so. If you feel the same way, this podcast is for you. Welcome to QUT Podclass. Every step that you take forward, you're actually changing a child's life. You're taking people with you. This idea of the silent classroom is also a little bit of a myth and could be getting in the way. That they have very little time to just take a breath, sit down and think, what, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with my career? It's amazing how many fresh ideas you can have when you can ask your question of the entire world. I've given it all I've got. I am exhausted and I need a break. I think that is part of it. She turned it around because she invested in herself. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Podclass, a chat with QUT experts with Madonna King. And our aim is to make life easier for those who lead the learning each day in our classrooms, our teachers. Today, we're talking the who, what, where, when and why of seeking career support and advice with Professor Donna King. Welcome. Welcome, Madonna. Thank you for having me. Anyone told you you've got a sensational name? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, very similar to yours, actually. <laughs> it is, it is. So I'm told you oversee the teaching of teachers, but is there a more formal title? Oh, yes, Madonna. Actually, um, this week, I just started in a new role at QUT as the Associate Dean of learning and teaching, and um, I'm a professor now of education. So uh, my job is actually to oversee the teachers and all the teaching of teachers and all the courses that we have in our initial teacher education programs at QUT. So So how is your job relevant to a teacher standing up in a classroom this afternoon? Well, I am prepare. I am helping and and leading the preparation of our pre-service teachers who will go out into classrooms and learn from teachers that are in classrooms today. So many of our teachers in the classrooms today are supervising teachers for our pre-service teachers and they have them in the classrooms and they teach them lots of skills that we can't give them on the university campus. They get that real world experience in the classrooms. So Donna, have you actually ever been a teacher? Yes, I was a teacher for 10 years prior to moving into academia. So what made you go into teaching in the first place? Oh, well, you know, I finished school and I got the top T score, which, you know, that's 990, that's old talk now, but it was an OP1, I guess. And I was, you know, people were encouraging me to go into medicine, but I was really inspired by my um, year 11 maths teacher. And she was just so inspirational because she just loved mathematics and she brought mathematics to life for me. And I just... She said to you, if you're good at mathematics, why would you study anything else, you know, at university? Go on and do maths and, you know, teaching's a wonderful career and and, um, I think she inspired me a lot. So her saying that... Mm. Did you go home and think, I'm going to be a teacher? Um, Probably at that point, I thought it's a possibility for a career for me, but it probably wasn't until I was was moving through my my science degree at university that I thought, I think this is the direction that I really want to go. What made her such a good teacher? Because your eyes light up when you talk about her. Her passion for mathematics, her ability to teach complex concepts simply, her um, interest in her students 
And back then we had 40 students in our maths class and she managed them all so incredibly well. You volunteered for this chat. Why? Um, Well, I think I've reached the point in my career where I feel really like I can give back now to the profession. I actually know enough. I've been in the career more than 30 years. I've worked in various different roles and I really feel like I can now help others. And I think this podcast will be a way, a forum to do that. So we're talking today about seeking career support and advice, Mm -hmm. but shouldn't every single teacher do that at some point? Absolutely, but lots don't. Why don't they? I think they get into a routine that, you know, this is what I'm doing. And they're so busy coping with the day-to-day needs of the classroom that they have very little time to just take a breath, sit down and think, what, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with my career? Is this where I'm going to stay for the rest of my life? Or are there other things that I'd like to progress on in, in education? How does a teacher know that they need to seek career support and advice? Are there little warning signs? I think so. I think around about the five-year mark for me, so I'd been teaching in classrooms for about five years, and I think I actually had become a little bit, I mean, maybe bored is a bit of a harsh word, but I, I felt like I was doing the same thing over and over again, and I had mastered my teaching, and I was ready for another challenge. So did you seriously think about leaving the profession at that point? Yes, I did, right at that point. What made you stay? Um, I did actually look at other options and I went around and talked to a few people. And then an opportunity came up within the school I was working in and I applied for it and I got it. And it was a leadership opportunity. And I think that just gave me the, the new career direction that I needed. In getting that leadership opportunity, did you actually practice what you preached? Did you, did you seek career advice? Um, at that point, probably from my friends and family, not formally. Should you have done it formally? In um, retrospect, would it have assisted you? I think so. And I think at that point, I was probably a little bit young and naive and didn't think to actually go to the principal and say, this is what I need. This is what I'd like. I didn't advocate enough for myself. And I think that's something that we could do more of as teachers. You told me earlier you were a teacher for 10 years and you thought about leaving at the five-year mark. What eventually made you leave at the 10-year mark? Um, I had a family. I had my first child at the 10-year mark and um, I felt that going back into full-time teaching would have been a bit too much with a young child in a city. I'd moved cities and I had no family support. Uh, So at that point, I was lucky enough to be able to finish my master's and start thinking about a PhD, but um, that wasn't until I'd done a bit of tertiary teaching I realised that was the direction I wanted to go in. What was your master's in? Uh, Science, Society and Technology. And your PhD? Uh, Context-based chemistry in years 11 and 12. That's that's just too hard for me to even <laughs> ask that question. I could elaborate, but it's boring for everyone. <laughs> well, you know, you, you talked about almost leaving at the five-year mark, and we hear about so many young teachers leaving the teaching profession. We have this new generation coming through. Are, are many of them just seeing teaching now as a stepping stone for three or five years before they go on to something else? Or is it that they reach a crossroads that they just can't get over and they decide to leave for that reason? I 
think there's multiple reasons. Um, and I think you've hit on one of them. And I think that it is a bit of burnout at that point in their lives. And it's like, I've done this. I've given it all I've got. I am exhausted and I need a break. I think that is part of it. Um, particularly teachers that end up teaching in really in schools that have um, students with lots of high needs. Yes. Um, the other thing I think is that um, the younger generation coming through perhaps don't think of staying in careers forever, the same career forever. I think they have a different perspective about their careers. And I think they think that I will go into this and do it for five years and maybe I'll look around and try something else. So the way they think about their careers is different. That's a real challenge then for teaching as a profession, isn't it? Is. It? it is a challenge because the research shows that our best teachers are the ones that stay in the classroom the longest and develop those important skills over many, many years. So we really do want to keep them in the profession. Is there enough being done even in the research world to try and have that public debate? Um, there is some work being done in that world. It's not actually my particular area of research at the moment, but what there are some schools that are developing some really great initiatives that are really helping their beginning teachers. Like what? Like Marsden State High School has got a brilliant beginning teacher mentoring program and it's very structured and there are sessions where the teachers go to out of the classroom, they're taken out of the classroom, they're uh, aligned with a mentor, they um, have a program throughout the year that they're going to work on and that seems to be very successful. Largely, teachers, from what they do, appear fairly selfless. Are they not necessarily good at seeking career advice about themselves? Oh, I would say probably yes to that. They probably aren't, yeah. Um, what should you do if you've been teaching, let's say, for a decade and you want to take a step up? Where do you start? <sighs> I think... For me, I can draw on my experience, which um, may or may not work for everyone, but I was the recipient of some excellent mentoring throughout the course of my career at different stages. So when I moved to university, my PhD supervisor was a brilliant mentor for me in terms of transitioning to an academic career. Um, I also had an excellent head of school who was a great mentor in terms of progressing my career. I also was afforded opportunities to do courses at QUT that really helped progress my career and gave me opportunities to do things like, you know, surveys that look at how you're going in your career and how you can improve. And there was a number of, of things that I've been given that helped me. The other thing was that I was given one-on-one -on -one counselling with a career advisor through the course of these opportunities. And to sit down with somebody for an hour to talk, talk about you and your career and then to set goals and to, and I'm a bit of a goal setter and if you write your goals down, you're much more likely to achieve them, which I've always done. But um, it was to sit down with a career counsellor, talk about your career, talk about what you want to do and where you want to go. It was incredibly empowering for me. You were very lucky, as you say. Yeah, yeah. Where would a teacher seek that same advice? I think they have to be able to advocate for themselves a bit in this this domain, I think. And the first place is always, I guess, if you've got a good relationship with your leader in your school to start there, okay? So that would be the first place to start. If for some reason that's not the place to start, then I would invest resources, money, time into seeking support outside of that 
school. What or does that mean? Seeking support um, as who? Well, a, I would start with a careers advice advisor, a careers counsellor. And I, you know, not everyone is able to do this, but I would invest a bit of my own money in that if I needed to. And how do you know if the advice you're getting is right for you? Um, I think you have to listen to your heart a little bit and reflect on the person that you are and the parts of the advice that you feel are really right for you and trust your own judgment in that. Yes. Um, but, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're not, it's not all going to be perfect. But Have you made mistakes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you want yes. to tell me about any of them? Um, oh, gosh. Yes. You know, um, along the way, I've, um, I, I'm a person who tries to build bridges, but occasionally I haven't done that as well as I would have liked to. Um, and I've had to repair some relationships along the way because of that. But has that helped you get to the position you're in that that you learned from that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I learned skills out of that and I had great people I could talk to. Because sometimes we're too scared to make yeah. mistakes, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but you're not going to grow or progress if you don't make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, is a Bachelor of Education enough now to be a good teacher or what type of upskilling would help a teacher's toolkit? Yeah, no, look, it's lifelong learning. It never stops. It never stopped for me every year of my career through teaching in a classroom to teaching in a university. Um, and that lifelong learning has to be something that you want to do. It has to be um, an, an inner desire, but it also has to be something I believe that um, you seek out throughout the course of your career. So I'll just give a little example. Say you wanted to upskill in digital technologies, then you would need to seek out some learning to help you with that. So my own example is the babysitter for our children yes. has finished a Bachelor of Education at QUT. Right. But she's gone back to do a course on mental health. Right. So if there are teachers out yep. there, is it important to actually improve your education qualifications or it's best for them to think of something like digital literacy or mental health or or d- dealing with teenage girls or... Yeah, I think... I think the first place to start is the context and the classroom and the school that you're teaching in and what are your needs? What do you need to do to be a better teacher in the classroom initially? And then once you've mastered that, it might be more for interest's sake. Yes. So what are the things that I'm really interested in and how can I seek out some learning in that that might progress my career in that direction? But just on that, you know, we have MOOCs, short courses, master's courses. How do you work out what you want or might what might actually deliver the promotion to you? Um, so you can, I mean, the practical things are you can go online and you can read about the MOOCs and see what's available. You can talk to people. For example, at QUT, you can give you more information about them. Um, and then the other thing is, you can do a taster with them. You can have a go. And, you know, a few sessions in, you can decide if it's for you or not for you. Yes, okay. And so if you are a um, a young teacher or an experienced teacher, does it matter then? Should we have the teachers who have been teaching for 20 years doing that too? Absolutely. Or, or is it more aimed No, at- no, it's for anyone. So it's difficult when you're made a leader amongst your peers how do you navigate that? Um, 
It's like, well, this is what you've got to do. You've just got to step up. You've got to make these hard decisions and you're never going to please everyone. But mm. So for a teacher looking for a mentor, is it necessarily a teacher or should they be looking towards a business person or an academic or someone outside the profession? Well, I guess it's it's hard to say because um, teachers have different needs. It's depending on their needs. But um, so beginning teachers, I would say somebody definitely, they're close by, teaching in the same year level or, or year level above, certainly someone within their school environment. For other teachers, I would say, um, you know, for example, if you're looking at moving into being a learning support teacher or working in the librarian area, then look for mentors that have been in those areas and know that job. You said, you know, you might want to go to, to, to into the librarian area or learning support. How does a teacher actually look for opportunities to advance? Well, I think you've got to talk to people and investigate it and do your homework. So there's no point jumping into something until you really know that's what you want to do. So finding out, I'm one for getting, you know, information is power. So do your research, find out what courses are out there, find out, talk to people in that field and see if it's a job you really want to do and then start taking the steps towards that. What about confidence? Do you think, you know, our teachers seem so confident standing up in front of the class each day. Is that your experience? Yeah, yeah. most of them, you know, the women teachers I know are are all fantastic teachers, but um, in terms of managing their careers and believing in themselves and knowing that they could go further if they wanted to, they really lack that confidence. Is there career advice you didn't take that you should have? Oh, look, I remember when I had to move schools and I was plateauing in my career because I had to move cities for my husband's work, getting advice from the principal that said, well, you know, that's a step down because backwards. And I remember thinking, well, at this stage in my life, this is the right step to make. I need to plateau. Well, that's an interesting point because I'm wondering... Um, how early in a teacher's career is it important to seek advice? You don't want to get out and a year later be knocking on a door saying... Yeah, I think I think the minute a teacher starts thinking, do I want to do this? Do I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Or is having some kind of worries about being in the classroom every day, perhaps that's kind of an indicator that they need to be thinking and seeking advice or getting help. Um, or if they reach a point where they're a little bit bored and they've been doing the same thing over and over again, that might be a point. So what would we have to do to keep those early career teachers from leaving Oh, teaching? my God. If only I was, I had the power to change things. Yeah, but to change what? Is it the system? Um, Is it they, need, to- they need a much lighter workload, much lighter than what they're given. They need to have um, time to um, prepare much longer periods of time than an experienced teacher would need. Um, they need days off during the week where they can go and be inspired by inspirational speakers. But the community's not going to accept that, are they? No, they're not, probably. And they why is that? Because we don't... Because I think the community's perception is you get your holidays. But unless you've actually been a teacher, you do not understand how full on those days are from the beginning, minute you walk into that, onto the school ground to the minute those children leave. And it's not like a desk job. It's nothing like that. It's, it's hugely emotionally exhausting. And there's research that's been done about the emotional labour of teaching. So it's, it's very um, demanding. Why do students choose it as a career? 
because like me, they want to give back. They want to help the next generation and they love kids. I love kids. And then they, um, what's the word, they get there and it's not what they thought it was? I think uh, sometimes the structures aren't in place to help them. What kind of structures? Because we're talking about that that support that's needed. What would you like to see? Um, I'd like to see every beginning teacher be in a really um, an excellent mentoring for beginning teachers program, which QUT has developed with Education Queensland. So we have many of these um, schools have taken these on board and I would like to see every beginning teacher a part of those programs with a really good, strong mentor and then opportunities for that mentor to advocate for them. So when things are getting tough and they're getting exhausted, they can find ways of taking the pressure off those beginning teachers. So that's a system change yes. in a sense. Is yes. there anything a teacher themselves can do to help or to, to, to affirm themselves? Yeah, look, I've was talking only this week to a beginning teacher, her first year in a primary classroom. And every time I see her, I say to her, make sure you take your weekends off. Don't do any work over the weekends. Mm-hmm. Take, don't take a thing home. And it's hugely important that you re- you relax, you recharge your batteries. But is that impractical? You know, the, the exam results are due. Absolutely, absolutely. Parents Sometimes. are contacting them on the weekend. That's right. But she said to me, I stay back late and I get the work done, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm really trying to keep my weekends free. So there are periods of the year where that won't be possible. But at least, you know, in her first term, while she's trying to, develop her own skills in the classroom, she needs to have an opportunity to recharge her batteries. So let me give you a scenario or two briefly. I'm a teacher, I'm seven years out and I teach business and Italian to years 10 and 11. I feel as though my career's flattened. You know, there's only a few people above me at my school. How do I set goals? Where do I begin? Okay, so um, I... I'm a bit of a goal setter and I write them down and I I start every year off with goals. But sometimes some people need somebody else to help them set their goals. So I would start with a pen and paper and thinking about, you know, what do you want to achieve in the next three months? What do you want to achieve in the next six months? What do you want to achieve in the next year? And then maybe a three-year and a five-year goal. And then if you are a person that really doesn't know where to begin, then I would start by talking to... Again, I go back to somebody you admire or somebody that you like or trust that's, you know, a colleague or even an outside person, a friend, and just starting to talk to them about how you set your goals, uh, about some of the goals that you want to set. And um, then from one conversation leads to another thing, which leads to another thing. I think you've just got to start somewhere. And is your aim in writing them down to hold yourself more accountable yeah, to them? Yeah, I think so. There's research to, sh- to say that if you actually write them down, goal setting gives you long-term vision and short-term motivation and you're much more likely to achieve goals if you write them down. You also said that t- time frames, three months, six months, nine months, is there research to suggest that it's important to put a time frame, to include a time yeah, frame? Absolutely, yeah. And then to revisit it and see if you've achieved them. And yeah. what happens? You know, I get to my my six months and haven't even achieved my three-month ones. Yeah, then you have to just re-evaluate re- it and, and change it. 
How important is it to be reasonable, not to be overambitious? Absolutely, very important. Very important because I, I would say that you need to you need to feel like you're ticking something off. So out of those three or four things that you wanted to achieve, even if you only got one done, you've done that one thing. You've just received a big promotion. Was it on your goal list? Um, I think it was. I acted in this position last year, and I think. After I acted in the position, I started to think that I could possibly do it. But it wasn't really until the last six months of my career. Will you tell me what would be on a goal for the next three or six months? I'm just wondering, are they small things in being able to develop an authority or to meet a certain amount of people? Or is it that you need to increase a network of of supporters? What um, yeah, so for me, in the role that I'm in at the moment, probably the goal for me for the next three months is really to get my head around the job and understand it better and understand the people that I'm managing. So that would be my three-month goal. And then the six-month goal would actually be to have achieved um, some specific things within the initial teacher education program so that if, I'm overseeing. So if you took yourself back to when you were a teacher, yeah, yeah. what what might be tangible goals that you would write down? Well, first term, it's about getting the classroom in order. What and do you mean in order? Tidy? Or? No, in order in terms of um, setting up your rules with each of the students that you teach, um, ensuring that you have structures that they are clear about, they're clear about your expectations, that they know that you mean business and that you will follow through, um, and it's really getting that discipline going in the first term. But aren't they the goals for the students, not the goals for the teacher? Well, I guess they are goals for teacher and students, and then the teacher, I guess, is is looking at, um, I, I mean, I remember being a teacher and my goal was to really have my classroom respect me and yes. build a really good rapport with my class. That would have been my goal for the first term. You left the career, a career of teaching yeah. at schools to yeah. go into university after a decade. Yeah. Is there an obvious point where a teacher should know that they want to leave the profession how did you actually know? It was a bit serendipitous for me. Um, I just had a colleague who rang me and said, oh, you've got a master's, would you like to do some tutoring at Australian Catholic University? And I was home on maternity leave with two little girls and I thought, oh, why not? It's sessional, it's a few hours here and there, I wouldn't mind giving that a go. And so that was really, I never ever in a million years imagined I'd be where I am today. But if you didn't take that opportunity, you might be teaching. Yeah. If there's a teacher listening thinking, you know, the pull is whether I stay or whether I leave, is it best they leave? Uh, um, I I would have been just as happy, I think, staying, to be honest. Yes. Um, it's just that this opportunity presented itself and, I, I, and it was better for me at that point in time to be doing part-time work. And I, f- I couldn't work out a way to be a brilliant full-time science and maths teacher while I had two little kids. Yeah, sure. And so I saw this as a way of doing it for an interim, not realising that it would lead to another career. Staying, for me, would have been another option had I been able to get a really good, perhaps, part-time job. Secondary teaching doesn't lend itself to such good part-time work because you've got to be sometimes in the classroom every day, a yes. part of every day. Primary is better because you yes. can job share better. So, How transferable do you think a teacher's skills are? 
Oh, very. Extremely transferable. Um, I think we've got amazing skills that we can use in so many different areas. Um, the ability to think on our feet, the ability to communicate, to read emotions, to um, uh, engage people in presentations, um, to problem solve. Um, You're so right. We should just move our teachers into parliament perhaps. You don't have to answer that one. But, but, but do you think teachers understand their value? Uh, probably not so much. They probably... Uh, like I said, they're so committed to doing the daily job that that is their sole focus. Any book you'd recommend that that teachers actually read? Well, one I um, one that I was given when I was doing my graduate diploma in teacher education, and I did a course on it, was teacher effectiveness training, and I found it really helped me as a beginning teacher just to, and it really aligned with my values for teaching. And this book is now available online. It's not very expensive. It's been... And and how did it help you though? um, Well, I think it just gave me strategies about how to do active listening with students, um, when students have problems, some of the ways to solve those problems without it escalating, how to deal with conflict in the classroom. They're really practical Practical things, yeah. Sometimes I think it's so easy to be crippled by self-doubt. Yeah. Have you ever suffered that? Oh. Tell me about early in your career when you might have? Um, Oh, yes. Look, I can remember days driving to school and thinking, I've got to explain this really complicated chemistry concept today and I'm not sure I'm going to get this across and how will I do it? And, um, And going into the classroom thinking, I hope this will go well. Um, And I guess you know, you don't get it right. And sometimes the lesson is absolutely terrible. But then you go in and and you listen to the students and you think, oh, next time I know what they need and I know what to do. So what would you say to a teacher who might be feeling a self-doubt like that? Um, Well, preparation really, really helps. So if the lesson is not going as well as you want, there's always an activity that you can direct the students to. There's always some reading they could do. It's really okay to just throw it back onto the students, get them into groups and get them doing an activity, which gives you time to think and you time to catch your breath and to go, okay, if I get them working on something, get them doing the writing, the reading, the actual um, thinking work, I take the pressure off me. From your time as a school teacher, from all the research you've done uh, as an educational leader now, what do you think teachers need to know that perhaps they don't? They, um, They need to know that they are making a difference every day they walk into a classroom to students of the future, that their job is so valuable for society and that they are going to be the difference between a student, some students having a great life and not having a great life. Most teachers do know that already, but I think sometimes they need to be reminded of that. Dr Donna King, thank you. Thank you, Madonna. It's been a joy. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about this topic, be sure to check the show notes where you'll find links that can take you through to rich sources of information and inspiration. Podclass is brought to you by the QT Faculty of Education. 
If you'd like to keep learning, QUT offers a range of professional development and postgraduate study options. QUT, because the more you learn, the more they learn.